0: Ireland Rugby's organised a crisis <laughs> meeting with uh, Stephen Larkin. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fantasy XV Draft Podcast, Episode 20, the semi final edition. This is the podcast where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. This week again, I, Harry, will be your host, and we also have our podcasting stalwart, Nelson. Nelson, how are you? I'm pretty tired, but yeah, just ready to power through. And were you tired this week when you made your Super Rugby picks for the uh, semi-finals of the Wooden Spoon race?
1: No, I did pretty bloody well, actually. i beat you.
0: Are you winning this week?
1: Uh, I'm only getting beaten by the guy who's doing the best out of everyone. He's only beating me by
0: 12, but I'm beating pretty much everyone in the top four. So currently a top two favourite for the Wooden Spoon, you'd say?
1: No, I'd say about par, 12 <laughs> points. It's okay. All
0: right. Uh, Let's get the plugs out of the way. The website, fantasyxvdraft.com, where you can find all the weekly articles. We'll slow down now that Fantasy Footy's stopped for the rest of people, but we do have the Casualty Ward on there, which keeps you up to date with all the injured players, new injuries, and who's coming back for the uh, finals games as well. Also, you can find us under the same name. That's Fantasy XV Draft on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. (coughs) Kagi, as per normal, is just all over Instagram. Just Classic. He's fantastic. He, I just don't know how he does it. He's also in charge of the Grinder account. And yeah, no,
1: I think you're doing Grinder. He's doing Tinder. I'm not sure.
0: It's confusing. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> anyway. The entree this week, we'll be looking back through the quarterfinals games, all four, and then we're going to go through some detailed analysis to try and give you some predictions on the semifinals this week, and then finally we'll be uh, trying to predict some big scores from big players in the dessert of the night. So we'll kick it off with the first game of the week, which was the Friday night game, the Hurricanes versus Chiefs. Nels, take us through this one. So in the end, a really tight game. Uh, the Canes looked like they were going to
1: run away with it, but the Chiefs fought their way, clawed their way back, although leaving it a little too late, losing 32 to 31. In terms of the returning column, uh, Shields returned from rib cartilage. Houston returned to the bench from a concussion. Kane returned from concussion. Um, we thought he was sweet last week, but was rested. But he, he returned and, and did pretty well. Harris returned from a cork. Natai again from a concussion and Wainui from a shoulder. There weren't any new injuries, which is good to see, especially seeing the Canes rolling into a hopefully a win against the Crusaders when we beat the Lions and Tars get a home final. Fantastic. What I'm <laughs> yeah. for. I know I know just It's a sure thing. Yeah, it's a sure thing. I won't say anything else. <laughs> um so yeah, in terms of our predictions, one thing we definitely got wrong. Um, we said if Geordie plays outside, <laughs> outside centre, the, the Canes will lose. Not only did he
0: play there... I won one this week. Yeah,
1: the Canes the <laughs> won and he walked away with 51 fantasy points.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, uh, who said that?
0: Don't know, must have been we- Nabung.
1: Let's blame Nabung surely. Um, yeah, but no, in terms of other stuff throughout the match. Sorry, I uh, lost myself here. Um, yeah, so we, we also mentioned that Lamb or Sevilla uh, were probably going to have a field day against Pulu, um, who he himself didn't play because of his rib injury. Um, they both bagged themselves a try. Sevilla ran in uh, two huge intercepts in the first five minutes. That first intercept, I think, was off a, a big loopy ball from Mack, which he ended up scoring a try from. Um, so he clearly did his homework, but he didn't really do much else throughout the rest of the match. Um Blam was not necessarily back to his best in terms of his stats but he did walk away with 60 points which was the second highest um outside back this week behind Dmac who scored 69. He had a f-
0: few more runs this week I think than what he has the last little while. Blem. Just, yeah. No yeah he
1: he did do relatively well um in terms of his stats he made 10 runs for 71 metres, um a couple a couple tackle busts a couple line breaks and a couple line break assists So a little and bit of trying. things and he's trying. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he looked good, but he didn't look at his best in terms of those no. things. But still, I mean, you're not going to scoff at sixty points. Does that mean he's? I know back? I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. See <laughs> so yeah, how we go. Um, and yeah, D Mac, it was the leader in terms of the outside backs for for the week for all matches with his sixty nine points. He did fourteen runs for one hundred and thirty four meters and made twelve tackle busts.
0: Boom.
1: Yeah. So they're not necessarily tackle busts. You don't see him sit guys down on his ass, but he just beats tackles like like they I don't know, he's
0: on fire. He's Yeah, as I said before, he's definitely his own fantasy rugby captain. He just runs <clears> sideways <throat> and just sorts arms off to rack <laughs> yeah. up the tackle busts. Yeah, he touches as many people as possible. Yeah.
1: Um, last week we were tossing up whether Blade Thompson or Gareth Evans would play and, or who was going to start. Um, Artie Sevilla didn't make it for this week. Um, and I think we, we still think he's potentially going to be absent for the the coming week but both uh, Thompson Evans started and they both did pretty pretty shitty in terms of fantasy Um, you were sort of thinking that you thought Evans deserved a bit more because he's working hard around those rucks and mauls and and over the
0: ball I thought he was really dominant over the ball actually I was really surprised he's obviously played eight whenever he started this year so this was his first start at open side flanker he was Really, really good. Slowed the ball down, had a few steals. I was just really, really impressed. So it surprised me that he didn't get more.
1: That's one thing you see in a game, though. Like, in in fantasy, in rugby, if you can slow the ball down, you can really disrupt the other team and and can put your team on the front foot. But you don't get anything in fantasy for it. Mm. there's yeah. not many things in fantasy
0: that you get nothing for yeah the other one that reminds me a lot of is is either taking a high ball yeah. and you just get nothing for or it's yeah. just such an exceptional skill and also the uh tactical kicking from the nines and tens you know they yeah. can control the game but you just mm. get nothing for it yeah i know maybe we can do better one day maybe <laughs> um there were some surprises uh Bouchier,
1: how do you say his name I yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah, he got 64. I always say his name wrong. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. He he got 64 points. Um, Yeah, no, he he looked pretty solid. He scored himself a try. He ran in 90 metres from 12 runs. Not bad for your number six with five tackle busts um, and a couple line-out wins. So that's pretty solid. Um, There's three tries shared between the halfbacks. Which is is crazy. No one wanted to pick up halfbacks early, but two tries went to uh, the top halfback of the week, Perinara, mm. um, and one went to the second halfback of the week, uh, Weber. So I think Perinara got fifty-one points, Weber got thirty-eight points. So they were huge. both exceptional. Yeah, yes. they both
0: played really, really well. Weber's try was just running support lines, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> <you> <laughs> he know, still played well. TJ Perinara. Scored both of his, I think. I think both of his were off the back of scrums, or maybe one was off the back of... It. No, they were both off the back of scrums, and it just looked like he basically just said, Webber has not got anything on me. I'm just going to run straight over the top of him. So he kind of ran around the outside of the scrum, beat the loose, the, the open side, and just ran over the top of Webber and whoever was trying to cover and tackle.
1: Yeah, I mean... He was on a mission. D- don't expect anything like that next week. I wouldn't Spoonhall? be home. I just wouldn't be jumping on a halfback early, but... I mean, he, he's, he's got a, maybe he's your top halfback.
0: You're saying in general? In general.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Um, so, Ritalik, he also had a good game. He got 41 points. Surprisingly, he wasn't the top lock because um, Tyler Paul was the top lock. But, yeah, um, he snagged him by five points. Tyler Paul got 46. But pretty solid by Ritalik, as expected. I think he got his exact average. It was 41.3 or something like that for the season. Um, the two centres as well... So the top two centres of the comp were playing this match. Leonard Brown got 78 points, and he was the fantasy man of the match. He absolutely killed it. Mm. Um, and he was this week's top centre as well, um, while Lamarpe got 31. So pretty much a flop in terms of a pretty good showing from a number of centres.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the Chiefs backline line were really, really good. I thought Natai played really well. McKenzie obviously played well. ALB... Um, and I think Alamalo yeah. played well as well.
1: Everyone did pretty well in the back line, barring Stevenson, who who only got twenty three points. But yeah, Nartai walked away with fifty four points. Leonard Brown, he got what he got four
0: tackle busts. He got one hundred and thirty three runs for sixteen meters. Um, Even then, Stevenson ran one hundred and fifteen run meters. So there was a lot of work right out of that game from all their backs. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty solid all around. But that, that's it for me. Yeah, so the second one was the Crusaders versus the Sharks. The Sharks. The Sharks. Uh, which, of course, the Crusaders smoked the Sharks. Sharks. Sharks, sorry. <laughs> My apologies, Sharks. Uh, it was 40 to 10. So we predicted the Crusaders would get up by about 25. And uh, it actually ended up as a 30-point win, obviously, 40 to 10. I out. Scout so that's pretty good. Yeah, I think one all. Yep. One One right, one all. Yeah. Yeah. So happy with that one. We had basically the entire Crusaders team coming back through. You had Hall, Franks, Crockett, Barrett, Tafua starting at 6 again. Havili uh, starting as well. Then you also had a few injuries through the games as well. You had Manasa Mateeli who was ruled out before kickoff with a possible hamstring injury. So no word on how severe that is yet, but we'll make sure we keep our eyes on that one. Been such a, a potent... Uh, off the bench. Yeah. Freak. And, uh, you said potent freak. That's Potent yep. freak. And uh said it to Manavalu who was concussed trying to make a tackle over the line, trying to stop a try against Van White, where he whipped his head back and knocked himself out. So that looked pretty bad. Yeah again, you know, you never know with concussions, They're, they cut they kinda be send roll of the dice, but staying in New Zealand you'd say he's a reasonable chance of playing this week. Um Big mover for me was Braden Enor on that note, who came on the 26th minute with Setter's concussion. Yep. And he was just exceptional. You know, he wasn't the fencing man of the match point, you mean, but considering he's a, a young guy making one of his first big games of his career. He had 47 fantasy points for a try, a couple of line breaks, 99 run metres from only five runs, and he just looked like he was really hungry to get involved, made bucket loads of run metres, and just hated the idea of passing the ball. You know, he's try. I know he, he was in a little bit of space and just went the old show and go to the outside and darted on the inside for himself to, to claim the glory and make the kick a little bit easier. And that was one of the, you know, that was just as the game was starting to open up for the Crusaders.
1: Look, I'm not. As, I'm not sure he was the the player of the tournament or anything like that for the the minor ten. But he he just seemed to absolutely carve that comp up. Yeah. Every week there was just things out there saying how well he played. I didn't. I didn't get to see much of him play. I saw a little bit of highlights, but he looked freakishly good. And I, I thought he was a chance to. If he got a couple games earlier this year, he would have been a great smoky. But unfortunately, didn't get that chance to to pick him up and see how he went. But he's a good player. He's a real talent coming yeah, through some, for them.
0: Some big raps on him and. I, I guess he's in the uh, the same mould as your Georgie Bridges and that kind of thing. So I don't know that he'll get a lot of game time while you've got so many good young outside backs, but maybe he's a good player that could end up in one of the other franchises somewhere. Yeah, he doesn't feel that
1: big fob winger spot that they always have as well.
0: No, but it, I guess if Dag doesn't come back as well, maybe he plays his role. Yeah. Um, other than that... Um, you know, one, one of the things that we said going in was you had the two best tackling teams in the comp uh, on averages the Sharks missed 20.9, Crusaders 21.9 so both teams was rock sold in defence and in this game both of them missed significantly more Sharkies missing, the Sharks are missing 31 tackles and the Crusaders 27 so both of them were I think put under a lot of pressure by the attacking sides which was really good to see um, although obviously the Sharks couldn't quite finish it off in the same way um, except, oh, they were so close, I should say, when, uh, Philip Vandervolt decided to absolutely butcher a try. The Sharks were struggling a little to, to kind of keep up with the Crusaders, finally got their opportunity just and the cut out was thrown, hit him yeah. on the chest and he just bundled it with no one else around. So it was, that was an sh- absolute shocker yeah. for, uh, for Sharks fans everywhere. It was a shocker. shocker. <laughs> Great pun. (laughs) Um, Really stretching it there. Yep, absolutely. The other thing that was really fascinating to me was in that first half, neither team looked like they could win a line-out. There was five lost line-outs, three to one side, two to the other. I don't remember which way it went. But in one half of, of footy, neither team could win a line-out. It was just outrageous. They were kicking to touch and just constantly getting it turned over. Part of that, I think, was Cody Taylor, who just had an absolute shocker of a game. You know, people, you know, give him some raps on the fact that he had a relatively high work rate, which credit to him he did. But he just absolutely blew a lot of different things. He butchered a try as well. Um, he just turned over a lot of ball. I just didn't think he played very well. You know, it's one thing to yeah. be involved, but you got to have a positive impact on the game as well. And I'm not sure he really did that.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like he didn't do too much other than made a handful of tackles. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, he definitely wasn't that influential.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Makaleo to start, that's that's what I want to see. I mean, <laughs> he, that's a great fantasy decision. <laughs> you could almost pass the fat cat nickname on to Makaleo, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I think Benny exactly. Robinson might be happy for that. <laughs> uh, so, I guess if you, you look through the game, the start of the match was really just Ryan Crotty just being an absolute legend. Decided being never a jerk. to... a jerk. A jerk to all... Jack Goodhue owners, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Crotty was, uh, was he the fan- He was the fantasy man of the match with sixty three fantasy points, and he was just outrageously good. He threw a dummy outside to Goodhue every single time. who was an absolute flop with twelve points this week. He had a try assist, a couple of line breaks. He had seven tackle busts from his seven runs and three offloads as well. Do you know what's interesting out of that? We we both
1: said that like he just didn't seem to give the ball to Goodhue, but they made the same amount of runs. They both made seven runs. Crotty just did shit with the ball. I don't don't
0: know what happened to Goodhue. Yeah, the the reason it was so obvious that he wasn't giving the ball directly to Goodhue was because of the massive dummies he was throwing and he was then slotting through the line. So
1: you're saying for those seven touches, Moanga cut out Crotty. He just (laughs) goes, I'm going to give Goodhue a crack here. Yeah,
0: I reckon. Maybe maybe Crotty was just tired and he was sitting somewhere else. That's absolutely what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, look, other than that, you know the the game blew out in the last twenty minutes, as you kind of expect in this one. So, Cobas van Enviq was probably the one highlight for the Sharks. He uh, he played quite well, but otherwise, from the the last twenty three minutes, Moanga kicked a penalty and they blew it away with a try to Enor and uh, Samu as well to try and blow the uh, the lead wide wide open. In terms of specific players, you know, I mentioned Crotty, Matt Todd had a blinder. I think he was his second best performance of the year on fifty six points. Is that right? You were having a look at that one? What was that, sorry? Uh, Todd's Todd's performance, second best of Second his best since round two, which was their 1st matchup. Yeah. So pretty amazing. So hopefully that bookends for the Crusaders and they do nothing in the last game, hey? Yeah, so don't pick up the call. <laughs> um, he had a try, a try assist, couple of line breaks, line break assist which is just outrageous from a 7, but played very, very well. And, and he was someone that was absolutely everywhere. I mentioned Braden Ennor as well, who had a good game for his 47. But Kieran Reid on 40 points as well, starting to look like the player that we know he is. So Again, not
1: something I like he's a class player, and don't ever get me wrong, but as a fantasy coach, I wasn't looking at, at him as someone I wanted to pick up. I was had doubts over how many minutes he'd get. I know he's a big game player but fitness wise a few things there but it just shows it doesn't really matter how long he's been out or, or how many minutes he's got he's just so influential and he's he's just too good
0: for me yeah i i completely agree for me i was i was probably a bit more confident in the minutes mm. you know i i think it was a bit off-putting that he came off injured last week, and that yeah. probably made his minutes look a little bit more flaky. But he is a good player, and, and he's on if he's on the park, I think he was a little bit underpowered in his first couple of games. But you've got to remember, you know, this is a guy that was ranked very high. He was ranked at uh, fifth last year on averages for the Loosies on 42 a game. Yeah. So he's right up there around Jaco Carrillo. So, I mean, when he's on, he's he's definitely, definitely oh, on. Definitely. And I'm talking, I mean, everyone knows that from a rugby point of view view but from a fantasy point of view as well very good player richie moe i thought was was disappointing uh top of the week Actually, no, no, I thought no. he started disappointed. I was going to yeah, say, came, but on the, on the right. count back, he actually came right. So he had a, a hand in a lot, but he was he was normally the second last touch to creating something, you know, like he would hold yeah. the ball up, someone would shoot out of the line, and then he managed to hold it and give the late little offload to Kieran Reid around the back or something like that. But it, he was never the one that was really creating everything for the team. So. Yeah, he had no try assists. No, 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 no try assist. He had one line break assist, and I think that was that re ball that I was talking about. But either way, forty one points from him was quite solid. Uh Nelson, you mentioned Tyler Paul, best lock of the round for the and playing yeah. for the Sharks, the forty six points. Not playing at Lucy this time, which is, you know, why I thought he was valuable, but I know that he did move to Lucy once there was a couple of subs through the game as well. Yep. Lucanio Am, shout out to him as well with 45 points, played quite well. I didn't think there was going to be any points in their centres, but managed, I think, a late try. Am I right in thinking that? Nope, wrong in thinking that. Might made his metres, but either way, he, uh, he played quite well and scored a few points as well. And Bryn Hall, just another halfback, just racking up the points, running good support lines, and another try to him as well.
1: I think Esther was was pretty disappointing. I know we we didn't expect much from their centers in terms of points, but I think at least on one occasion, whether he let in a try it was a pretty influential tackle, he missed. Mm. Um, and he didn't seem to do too much when he had those chances as well.
0: Yeah, no, he he didn't he didn't have a very good game again. I think it was probably like like you probably touched on the Crusaders' center pairing is just so rock solid. Yep. I know the uh, I know the coach Scotty Robinson came out and gave a big rap to Goodhue in defense as well and just said he's just so influential in the defensive line for them as well. Yep. Um, Look, the other flops, the ones that we were really disappointed in, you had Tafua getting nine points for the whole game, which is just shocking from his average of 30-something, so he just didn't get involved. And I think that was probably appropriate for how he looked in the game. You didn't really see him do anything. I think he had a hand in one run through the middle of the field, and that was absolutely it. I didn't see him even making a lot of tackles or anything like that. Tamanavalu, we said he's kind of or bust, and he was absolutely bust, four points for him, and just didn't get involved. It wasn't that long before he was injured, was it, though? It no, 20, 26 on. minutes, but, I mean, it's it's over a quarter of a game he made one run. Yeah. So that's he, pretty He wasn't pretty looking for it. Ben Akers as well, another guy that we said would be, just be up against it because of the fact that he's up against the Crusaders forward pack, and he was. He only got 24 points, which is well below his average. Yep. That's about it from this one. So Nels, Waratahs versus Highlanders. <clears> what do you think of this one?
1: Look, I mean, I was there, and I. it's been a long time since I've walked away from a game that stoked, that happy. And I, and the same as what some of the TARS players were saying, I think it was Hannigan that came out and said, it felt like one of the best wins I've ever had. It wasn't their grand final. It wasn't anything like that. It was the fact that they were so far down, and most people would have counted them out, yet they came back. It was it was a perfect game of two halves. I counted um, them out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I counted them out as well. I was sitting there going, I just don't know how this is going to change. Um, we said it was going to be a, a flip of a coin to predict the winner. At, at halftime, yeah, you wouldn't have wouldn't have thought it, but it came right down to the wire. Um, the Tars scored 24 points in a row with three tries and a, and a penalty to, to get that, that point, and, and they got seven points ahead. Um, last time the Highlanders lost to the Tars, and every Kiwi would have told you it was due to the red card? Yep. Um, well, they can't say it this time. They can say it's due to a yellow card. In fact, I did hear them say it's due to a yellow card. Mind you, if you are running out and doing two head highs in ten seconds, you deserve a yellow card.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it pretty bad. It's Pretty specific. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: in terms of people that return, in terms of people returning, the big dogs for the Highlanders returned: Whitelock, both the Smiths, uh, Franklin, and Thompson, Rob Thompson. Um, Huber didn't manage to, to make it back for the Tars. And he, at, as far as we know, he's still in Sydney.
0: Yeah, he hasn't flown over to South Africa, so he shouldn't play this week.
1: Yeah. Uh, in terms of matchups, uh we, we were thinking that both the back lines are going to be really influential. And, and, I mean, we can maybe count this as a win for us as well. They, they definitely were. Foley walked away with 62 points and, and Sapoonga walked away with 53. Three points and i think they were the the top two scoring fly halves of the week actually um foley scored actually 25 of the waratah's match points of their 30 match points two tries and six kicks from six three he converted all three tries and kicked three penalties um in terms of the centers rob thompson scored himself 71 points he was the fantasy man of the match he was uh, in beast mode, um, while Beal scored sixty-two points, and and he was really influential throughout the match as well. Uh, pretty oh. much had his hand in absolutely everything. His team. second
0: half was so good, so yeah. outrageous.
1: He, he had his hand in everything, so he had two try assists, a line break, two line break assists. He he ran eight runs for eighty-two meters, four tackle busts, and two offloads. But he also shot out of the line to make an incep- intercept on their own try line. Um, got us out of danger on numerous occasions, and, and he was massively influential, more so than his, his stats probably say. Um, but yeah, no, he, he had a blinder. Um, the outside backs were, were a big letdown in this match, I thought. Um, for Lau he he did bag himself a try, and, and Naira Voro, two blokes that we expected to be quite huge in terms of their their potential. Nairo Voro walked away with 37 points and Falau with 39 points. So definitely not big in terms of your outside backs. Not terrible, but definitely not good. Um, Yeah, so I think we were... Naira Voro was something that baffled us. He decided this week he was going to run through that centre channel. He doesn't have the hands for it, doesn't have the skill for it. He runs upright. He runs through that centre channel, loses the ball or, or just gets doesn't get through that advantage line anywhere near as much he needs that space and to be running at a bloke
0: yeah my, my thoughts around that was they, they did it earlier in the season as well to try and get his hands on the ball a bit more and it was a an absolute failure then as well and the Waratahs I think had talked for the couple of games before this one that they were worried they were getting a bit too predictable playing that rap play to Kirtley or Foley and they were just getting picked up off a little bit I think it first started to fall away against the Rebels when the uh, the Rebels inside centre. Who makes it was just shooting out and just knocking Beal down at every opportunity. Yep. The Brumbies did it pretty well as well, so I think they were probably just looking to change their point of attack a little bit. But he's, he's just not the guy for it. I understand they're struggling for big bodies through the middle, but I think they just need to if they're going to play that way, it needs to be the work of their front rowers because they seem to be the mm. only ones that are can carry tight and actually hold yeah. the ball. Like you said, he's he's just so weak at, at controlling the ball, he, and everyone knows it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was interesting that the Highlanders as well, they had 61% of the ball to the Tars, 39 Um Tars, I mean, and the Highlanders missed pretty much the same amount of tackles. They made, made a lot less. They made 60 less, and they only missed four less, which is a, is a pretty big difference. The mm. Tars decided they wanted to kick the ball at almost every opportunity um, and give the ball back to the Highlanders, even though they didn't have much of it. Um Back to those outside backs, and the holo was the best of the week in, in this match with 45 points. So with, with two really good outside backs and high-scoring um, sets of outside backs, that's definitely nothing too impressive, 45 points. Um, in terms of other people around there, uh, yeah, I just don't think there was anyone that really scored outside backs.
0: Well, the, the thing I wanted to look at was yeah, uh, the Tavita really Lee way. versus Waseki Naholo. You know, we've said a few times that yeah. only one of their wingers ever does well, and this time it was not Naholo. You know, we only had six runs for Tavita Lee for his 22 points with one offload. Like, he just really struggled to get into the mm-hmm. game. I think maybe he had one opportunity where he made a line break, and then there was another where he turned the ball over, and that was it for his whole match, really. So, again, the Highlanders only played on one side of the field.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting as well, neither team... I think really looked to many of their bombs with the whole Falau-Ben Smith aerial contest we thought there could have been. There was one or two maybe relatively yeah. early in it which could have been pinged for penalties, things like that. And then it just seemed to, to disappear, I suppose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, on that winger point as well, I think if the rumours are true and Quade Cooper is going <laughs> to the Highlanders, it'll be interesting to see if we can get both wingers into the game next year. Yeah. Quade. Yeah, it's to true. boost the stocks of Lee and Naholo. That's Look, my pick.
1: I think the chance of him going there is slim to none. <laughs> Apparently at his, uh, his uh, Brisbane team, which, who does he play for? Uh, Brothers? Or Brothers. Brothers, yeah. Apparently at their end of uh, year dinner, he said, I'm not going anywhere. Is that right? That was, that was this week.
0: That's probably because he's on an Australian top-up contract for another 12 months, and no Kiwi team's going to pay him a million bucks a year, 800000 a year. He could
1: get paid that if he went to another Aussie team, and he's decided not to, so surely he won't go across there. Yeah, just Um, loving
0: and living the easy life. Yeah,
1: something else to take out of this, uh, we both pointed out during the match, Fitzpatrick was pretty junk in terms of your line-out and a few other Mm -hmm. things. Um, Lato, as soon as he came on, he did do a few bad throws early on, but... His first influence to the game was stealing the ball for the Tars, something that the Tars really lack at the moment.
0: And something that he struggles with getting penalties with a lot, but he did does. It very, very yeah.
1: well. I think he's really solid over the ball. I think his issue is coming in the side a little bit or having his hands on the ground a bit too much. But he is really solid once he's there and hard to remove from that spot. It's yep. just a few little things that he needs to tweak, and, and he could be really solid there. I agree. Um, that's pretty much it.
0: Hopefully, the Tars win again. Yeah, fingers crossed. Big ass this week, I think. Third game of the week was the Lions versus the Jags. What was it, the fourth? Fourth, maybe, you could even say. Yeah, Mm. depends which way you look at it. (laughs) Depends if you watch them on replay. Lions versus Jags, anyway. And the Lions obviously got up on this one, 40 to 23. So a 17-point win to the Lions. We thought it might be a little bit tighter. I think we averaged, we said about 7. Our big worry was the fact that the Jags were a little bit up and down. I, I thought they'd gone off the boil since the international break. You weren't quite as convinced. What was your impression of this one? Do you think they were oh, on the money or not?
1: Look, I think they let it get away from them too early and couldn't really claw themselves back into the game enough. Yep. Um. That, I think that was the biggest mistake. And it's something that the Tars can't do against the Lions next week because it's a lot harder... At the moment, it looks to, to claw their way back, which the tires have left a few weeks in a row now to, to, to try and do that.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It was, you know, the, again Argentina have this ability to start at a million miles an hour, and they look the goods. They they hit, they took a couple of early penalties when momentum was really on their side, and then it was just this really quick change of momentum with the Lions All of a sudden, took complete control of the match. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember what happened. I think it was just a little. Uh, I, I uh, run down the left wing or something like that and Combrink scored, maybe. The first try? It could have yeah. been. I feel they like it was down wing. it that up left a little wing. bit. And then the lines just went bang, bang, bang. All of a sudden, there was tries to Combrink, Vorster, and then Marks for three yeah. tries in the first 27 minutes. And the gap just opened right, right up. The, uh, the first half... At the end of the first half, it was 24 to 9, and it looked like the lines were completely down... Sorry, the Argentinians were completely down and out. Uh, you had... A little bit of a comeback after the half time break. I think they tightened it up to within. They put
1: it within seven. Yeah, within
0: seven. Um, And then again, I think a little bit, a couple of calls go one way or the other. And in this this occasion, they went in the lines. Nothing dodgy, but just those small things that made a big difference. And and the the Jags were done.
1: How about something you don't see much of? A drop goal. I yeah, well, they, they were. Around. I
0: think they were seven. No, they were maybe fourteen ahead at the time or something, and they just decided and uh, eleven. They were eleven ahead. Eleven ahead. They for, yeah, yeah, so brought him to fourteen. And that was his first of the season. It wasn't an easy kick either. Maybe fifteen out from the touchline, forty back or something like that, if I remember correctly, roughly something like that. Mm-hmm. And it looked rock, rock solid. You know, yeah. just too too good for a bloke that hasn't been kicking at goal much at all this season. It looked very, very good. Yep. Um, the Lions scrum just absolutely dominated the Hags scrum in this one. I didn't understand how an international team known for their forward pack and their yeah. scrummaging could get well, so pumped by the Lions.
1: We we thought this was going to be two really strong forward packs um, with two, two uh, solid scrums. But, yeah, it's surprising that it was such a dominant performance.
0: I guess on form, the Lions have been very good in the scrum. But uh, I don't know. I just wouldn't have expected against the Jags, (laughs) considering the caliber of the player they have. Agree. The other thing that you know, I was saying, a a few little moments or a few little calls went against the uh, the. Haguaros. The biggest thing for me was whenever the Hags got down the, onto the line and they looked like their opportunity of scoring, Marks for the, most, for the most, most part and to a lesser degree Quagga were just absolute menaces over the ball. The two yeah. of those guys turned over almost every opportunity the Haguara's had to come back. And, I mean, Marks especially is just absolutely ridiculous over the ball. I was looking at the stats before, and when you're looking at like combined ruck and more turnovers and penalties, Marks is miles ahead of everybody. Including Poey,
1: yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: Outrageous how good he is. So he, I, I think.
1: Let, let's not forget as well. Poey missed half the season. I know Mark's missed a, a bit, mm. but Poey still had he the most clean weeks. steals.
0: Oh, it, maybe he didn't. He had, it would have been three weeks po, because yeah. it was the international break.
1: And Poey had the most pilfers. Yeah, that's right. Force
0: pen, penalties were uh, where yeah. Mark's was just country miles ahead. I think he had eighteen for the season compared yeah, to maybe Quaggle a second <clears throat> on nine or something. Yeah, nuts. Um, What else from this one? I thought uh, Thomas Lozano was an absolute standout. That's the best I've seen him play in a long, long time. And funnily enough, it was around his running game, whereas normally I would say he's kind of an on-the-ball kind of player. But made at least three or four very good runs in the first half, a couple of line breaks, just opened them up, kind of almost at will. He was... Exceptional, Made 106 run meters this week for his 47 fantasy points as well with five tackle busts. So he was excellent. Uh, your fantasy man of the match was the man that we've already mentioned, 64 points to Malcolm Marks. And uh, I saw a, an article today which was, Marks, my words, the lines look good. So I think everyone's well aware that he's the absolute anchor of that side. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Matera had an exceptional game as well with 63 points, boosted a little bit by a try towards the end of the game, but he's just another man with a huge engine, 16 tackle, uh, 16 runs for the game, uh, a try, two line breaks, and I'm pretty sure he was the top tackler for the Jaguares as well. Still put him about sixth when you compare him to all the Lions players in this one, but either way, exceptional, exceptional player and, and really led from the front for the, the Jaguars all season. Geronimo Dele Fuente had forty uh, had 52 points, sorry, who had a solid showing considering that I, I didn't think he was probably as impressive as that might make him sound. Uh, and then you had Andreas Coetzee who uh, had 46 points and was boosted by a late try as well. Um other than that, the bombs players in this one. Oh, sorry, I, I should quickly mention as well. I had Vorster on 45 points, Janches on 45, who played one of his, definitely one of his better games. Could in a, I think it was a cross field kick to Combrink, actually. That's how it started. Yeah. Combrink kind of took it over his head and spun on, on his landing, and that's how he went over.
1: Look, it was, it
0: was interesting. I, I
1: think Yanty's had a few games early where we sat there and gone, he, he could have a decent season, mm. and then he seemed to crumble away from mid season onwards. Um, but yeah, no, he definitely had one of his stronger showings, especially in the back end of this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, mm. I think an open game where there's a lot of running definitely suits him, as everyone's aware. You know, he struggles in the wet yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're praying for rain. <laughs> I think they
1: are as well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
0: and uh, the only other good performance I thought worth mentioning was Bretonau, uh, who uh, had 37 points and just kind of again continued the trend of the halfback scoring very well this week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, third half back to school. What is that?
0: Kieran uh, Mostert was disappointing this week. Kieran? Kieran, course, no. Maybe not Kieran. <laughs> Kieran. Franco Mostert, rather, was <laughs> hybrid player. Yeah, he'd um, be good. <laughs> <laughs> 19 points for him. He was really disappointing, considering he was a second-rated ra- uh, second-rower and didn't really make his mark as much as he normally does. Same with Quagga, 21 points. Yeah, well,
1: uh, Mostert was the 10th lock of the week.
0: Yeah, yeah, and what, and is he,
1: he's up there as the second. I think he's, we're he's we're second, playing. and there's
0: a big jump. There's a big jump from Brody to him, of course. But then there's a big jump from him to everybody else as well. So you'd yeah. expect a lot more from him as a player. I think that'll be surely one of his lowest scores the entire year. Um, you also had Petty and Kremer on the other side in the locks who were really disappointing. Kremer playing only maybe his third game at actual lock this year for 13 points and Petty 17 points and his average is well above 25 when he starts.
1: Yeah, we were both interested in what he he actually looked like as a starter. He's such a solid player when he gets that start. He's had so many games off the bench where Mm. if you're looking just at the stat of his average points, it didn't look very good. But if you compare it to his starts, he, he should have been right up
0: there. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And you uh, also, I was also pretty disappointed with Creevy on 23 points considering how good a form he'd been in. And Ortega Desio, who was normally just a workhorse, only had seven points for the round. So I think if you look at that, there's four forwards from their from their pack that have done absolutely nothing. Titash Shaparo, the prop, less of a surprise, but got five points as well. So it was just too many passengers. I think it was Matera and Lozano working hard, and no one else in their forward pack really stood up. And I think that's kind of where the game was won and lost yep um that's about it from this one um I'll just say one last one Cronier didn't keep the runner halfbacks going I was really excited to see him get a lot of minutes this week and didn't quite take advantage yep after the entree Nelson right, where I do we think, go uh, roll straight yeah, over onto the do-
1: mains oh. um so well, <laughs> you just sounded disappointed
0: there. What was that? No, I tried to sing, but my voice broke out. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to do that again? Or? No, no, we'll, we'll, move on. we'll No one wants right? me to do that again. Let's not draw attention to it. No, mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll edit this part out.
1: Yeah, okay, perfect. Don't know if you know how to do that. Um, so the Crusaders <laughs> versus the Canes is going to be the first semi-final. And what a way to start. It's going to be on Saturday... Uh, 5:35 Australian time, so 7:35 I think that is Kiwi time. Um, the matchup. So the times that they've versed each other this year, the first matchup was the Canes versus the Crusaders in Hurricane Territory in Wellington, and, and they got a 29 to 19 win over the Crusaders. The second match in Canterbury was Crusaders taking it out 24 to 13. So in their two matches, they've both been pretty similar in terms of total points. Um, but it's the home side that's got the better of yep. of their away side both times. So the last time the Crusaders have actually lost a game at home was against the British and Irish Lions. So put that in perspective, that was...
0: It's a solid team. And they also didn't have all their all-backs, all mind yep. you, for that game either. <laughs> yep.
1: But the last time they lost at home in Super Rugby was round 17 in 2016. Guess who against?
0: Uh, the British and Irish Lions as well? <laughs> super Rugby, Oh, oh sorry. No one, then. They've never lost.
1: <laughs> the Hurricanes. Oh, the Hurricanes. They lost 10-35 to 35 against the Canes back in round 17, 2016.
0: That's not that long ago, to be honest with you. A couple of seasons. It's two whole seasons Yeah, but, since they've lost at home. But versus the Hurricanes, that means they've only lost yeah. two home games in a row to them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. But in terms of it still being a fortress, two
1: years not losing at home is not bad. Yes. Yeah, Same as Burraneer in, in uh,
0: local rugby down here. No one knows who they are, mate. That's my team. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so... The Crusaders are actually going to have 14 players out of that match day 23, and the Canes are going to have 10. So, normally, I think there's been such turnover at the, the Crusaders, you would have thought it maybe to be the other way around, but there are quite a few players there that, that have had a bit of experience done there, been there, done that. Yep. Um, on the other hand, the Canes have lost four, their last four games away from home. So that is pretty terrible. They started so well, um, but they've only won three of eight games away this season. That's pretty terrible. Um, the Crusaders have scored the most tries over the season with 82 tries in comparison to the Canes, who came in fourth with 70 tries for the season. So both really solid, but obviously you got to hand that to the Canes. The Canes also conceded the least points and tries in comparison to the Canes, who conceded the least tries, a uh, second least tries and points. So, so two best
0: defensive teams in the club.
1: Yes. All right. So it's going to be interesting. Um, the Canes also have had nine yellow cards in compa- in comparison to the Canes three.
0: Did you see? Was there a standout player for them, or were they pretty well shared across the park?
1: Uh, pretty much their front rowers. <laughs> <laughs> Just whoever's there in the front row is getting a yellow card
0: Timon allen has been pretty solid though, surely
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's the Crusaders who have had the, the nine yellows Oh, sorry, my bad. I might have said the Canes, I'm not sure <laughs> I don't know. But Crusaders have, have had right. the nine So if this game's going to be dictated by a, a card which no one wants But does happen Maybe it's going to be a Canes win Upset here, you heard it first, by a by a card So that could be the Hurricanes tactics <laughs> yeah Hope for a yellow card. <laughs> Just cross your fingers and hope. Um, the Interestingly, the, the top attacking threats on either side uh, are wingers. So um, Lamb is the equal top try scorer with Nairo Voro on 15. Um, Bridge is one behind him with 14. Um, Lamb also has the second top line breaks uh, to Nairo Voro with 25. Bridge comes in at 15 with 19 line breaks. Oh.
0: It's a lot of line breaks for a lot of people.
1: Fifteen doesn't sound right.
0: Fifteenth, yeah, with nineteen line breaks, that's a, that's a lot of line. I th- breaks.
1: No, I think it's fifth. He comes in at fifth.
0: Right. Okay. Um, Makes more sense.
1: So, Crusaders. So, what? One thing you, you sort of touched on before in their last match, their their centres are just so hard to penetrate you've got a little cheeky smile on your face and Mm. you've written something naughty there, but we'll move on. (laughs) We'll just, we'll go straight past that. But yeah, the the Canes centre pairing is just, is so dominant at the moment that, I mean, when you're looking at if it's going to be Geordie Barrett and Amarpe in the centres, it's going to shut down a lot of what they normally possess in terms of their abilities to to crack that game open, especially Amarpe, who he's right up there with the top sort of couple in terms of line breaks and and tackle busts. Mm. Um, So you might be looking at that centre pairing of of Crotty uh, and Goodhue to shut that down, and and that could slow that ability for the Hurricanes to get that ball wide to the players like Lamb. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, really. For sure. Much else? Anything else you want to sort of add into that game?
0: Um, Not that that much, really, to be honest with you. I just think it's going to be a massive, absolute cracker. (laughs) I can't wait to see it. Are you banking on Barrett to start 13 again, seeing as they did get the win? Uh, I, yeah, look, I think so. They, they said the only reason that they put Houston on the bench was because they weren't sure if he was going to pass his concussion protocols. Yeah. But, but I mean, it means you're dropping Sevilla or
1: Ben Lamb. Lamb. Lamb played quite well.
0: I think both of them earned their spot. I think yeah. it's hard to upset a team that played quite well.
1: But Nehe didn't do too much.
0: Yeah, but you're not going to you're not going to rock the boat that much now. I think he's been a I pretty agree. solid starter. I agree. M- my gut feeling is they're going to run out with the exact same line, but you know, remains to be seen.
1: Yep, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the exact same.
0: So the other game of the uh, the semis is the Lions versus the Waratahs, obviously over in South Africa. I think at altitude up there as well. Yep, haven't made that up, have I? Uh,
1: I hope not. Yep, good. Actually, it, you could be making that up. <laughs> I, I feel like they're not, aren't they close to the
0: coast? You can do your research while I, um, <laughs> while I have a quick run through some of the past matchups. So head-to-head, funnily enough, these teams have played 20 times. The Waratahs have actually won 15 of those. The, uh, the one game this year went 29-0 to the Lions in Sydney, which was one of the Lions' best performances and one of the Waratahs' worst performances. So if that's anything to go by, then, yep, it is at altitude. Good. I'm not crazy. 1,700 metres. Yeah. That's our altitude, for sure. That seems quite high. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Higher than Sydney at five. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was an absolute blowout. So I, I don't know if that's anything to go by, but if it is, it, it's big, big trouble for the Waratahs. 2017, uh, the Tars played over there, and they lost by 19 points, 55 to 36. And in 2015, they also played each other in South Africa, and the Tars went down by five, 27 to 22 uh, the last time the Waratahs beat the Lions was in 2014 in Sydney where they won 41-13. to 13. Uh, And the last time the, an Australian side, the, specifically the Waratahs, have gone over to South Africa and beaten the Lions was three games over there ago, but all the way back in 2009. So a while since they've, they've actually won in Ellis Park.
1: That, you're talking nine years, three games. That's a long time.
0: Yeah, I, I think the conference system hasn't helped. Remember, they yeah. for a while there, they played Conference A or Conference B, so there was a few years yeah. of missing teams then as well. And, and for, for whatever reason, it just looks like they play each other more in Sydney as well.
1: Yeah, we'll take that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> if
1: only it was this week, if we had to have one more win, mm-hmm. it could have been.
0: Yep, yeah. you can thank the Brumbies <sighs> for that one. Jerks. Uh, this is two attacking teams playing each other, so I'm looking forward to a big score. The Waratahs have the most points in the comp at 34.5 points a game, and the Lions have the third most with 32.9. Obviously, the team in between them is the Crusaders on 34.2, um, And the points conceded in terms of defense, not quite as strong as the Kiwis. The Lions have the seventh best record at 26.29 points a game. points a game and the waratahs have the eighth best record at 27.5 points a game so really really even on both points for and points against you know one or two points in in either of those stats so to me it makes me think that the home ground advantage is really going to be the difference maker in this
1: yeah hopefully not
0: Hopefully not, but I think that's what it's going (laughs) to be. In terms of line breaks, the Waratahs are first. They make 9.4 a game, and the Lions are fifth with 7.9. The biggest exponent of that for the Waratahs is the number one player in the comp right now for line breaks, which is Big T, who has 27 to his own. Um big match-up for him this week against Ruan Combrink, who hasn't been out of sorts. You know, he's starting to hit a little bit more form, but still missing 28% of his tackles. So yeah. by no means a rock in defence this year. He,
1: he is. I mean, he's he's got that flair and he can do a few big things in a match, but it seems like those, those things are happening fewer and further between than in previous seasons.
0: You're saying Combrink? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah well... He, the flair is one thing, but he, you know, he's also one of those bikes that's meant to be Mr. Consistent, and I think he's probably lost that a little bit this year. Maybe it's just lacking a bit of form, and to, to be completely fair to him, I think he's probably playing a little bit better now than what he was when he first came back from injury as yeah. well. Yeah. But that's a big, big opportunity for the Tars, I would think, and they're going to know that. They're going to be trying to attack down that wing for yeah, sure. And you know, there's. I, th- I think it's fair to say that it was a tremendous fail with Big T running through the middle last week. Don't do, don't do it again. So they're not going to do it again, Sure. Really not. No. You never know, but I, I wouldn't I would think not. Uh, in terms of missed tackles, the Tars are the fifteenth team in that they miss the most tackles. They've missed four hundred and seventy four tackles from their Six, 16 games i'm gonna say uh but it's only 17.5 percent so they make a lot of tackles which is the other reason why they've missed so many whereas the lions are ninth they're at 421 missed tackles from their 2388 so a good 300 less and that's for 17.6 so 0.1 percent worse so basically slightly worse on percentages. Now, the Lions didn't hold the ball very well against the Jags. They made a bucket load of tackles, and they did it very well. But Waratahs kick a lot. If they can get some good field position, then I guess the opportunity for the Tars is attack mm-hmm. the wide channels where they're not quite as strong. I think Gianci is probably not as weak as Combrick and Coetzee. Okay. And Mapoe as well, who's a little bit weak. Mapoe's Quite bad. Is I think he he's not- missed the ninth yeah. most of the season, and he hasn't made that many. He's, yeah. He was right up there for missed tackles. So there is opportunities in those wider channels, which is where the Waratahs like to attack. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the end, I think they're going to have to hold the ball. I think uh, the other, the other, the, on the flip side, you know, Kirtley Bill, who seems to be given a lot of praise for his uh, tackling this year, has been the weakest in the entire competition. He's made, he's missed. 57 tackles out of a possible 158 to miss 36% of his tackles. Wow. Misses more than one in three. I don't know if he'll be defending in tight or in the middle, but he I'd won't suggest you... He will be defending, you... is, is what yeah, those yeah, stats yeah. suggest. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be out waiting for the kick. But
1: even those tackles he makes, he's up high and just wrapping his arm around the upper body.
0: Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, I thought his technique had improved a lot. He'd put a lot of shots on. He's, he goes for the weasel, the weasel, what's it called? The weasel rip? <laughs> oh, yeah, he pulls the, yeah, yeah. the ball. I never yeah. heard it called that, but the sounds right. Uh, it's a George Gregan special, that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he has improved, but again, it's just way too many missed tackles. And, you know, I, I went through and I looked and I thought Vorster and Mapo both run really good lines, and maybe that's a big risk for the Waratahs having Kirtley Beal if there's mm. a bit of turnover ball and they can't hide Kirtley away like and, they like to. And Foley. But, and Vol- Foley's fifth most or missed or something as well. But um, it is fifth most, there you go, with 27%, 42 missed tackles. Um, but the uh, the stats on Vorstrom and probably on line breaks and tackle busts weren't that impressive this year either. Yeah. They were actually really quite low. So potentially it's one where they can get away with this Kirtley-Beal and Foley kind of mismatch, I guess. Yep. Um, Elton Yanche is also third-worst tackle, so there's a lot of poor tacklers in the back lines for these two teams, so he's missed 35% of his tackles as well. So
1: yeah, Both of them have quite a weak channel in, in that sort of center, except for maybe Rona isn't too bad a defender. Mm. Um, so those center channels could be where a lot of points are scored. Maybe Naira Vora does give it another chance and fails again. <laughs>
0: Maybe,
1: yeah. Just hold the ball, mate. Don't drop it.
0: Well, I was, the, the other opportunity around that is Falau likes mm-hmm. a short ball and he's got the second most offloads in the game with 31. Second only to Jean-Luc Dupree, So I think made 35 or 36 in about six games, you know. He just barely played yeah. a game, but that like just threw an offload. Two offloads per one run, I'm pretty sure he was throwing. Yeah, right. But anyway, you know, you got someone like Izzy Falau hitting in tight. I think that's where they're going to look to dominate those weaker defences and look for the offloads and... and the tars Big are going to play runner. their side-to-side play. Yeah. The flip side, um, I think, is the the picking. The lines are going to play a very forward dominant game. You know. So the, the biggest thing for me was that the uh, the penalties awarded, the lines were first, so they they get the most penalties against the other team. So they're they're the benefactor, yep. the benefitor. <laughs> uh the, the beneficiary.
1: Yeah, I think that's the, that's word. the word. That's the word I was looking for. So their first,
0: they, they get eleven point four penalties a game compared to the Waratahs, who are fifteenth on the other end at seven point three. So in terms of penalties, it's only going one way. Um, with that, you have got to keep in mind that uh, the. Oh, sorry, before I move on and, and go through what I was going to take away from that, the penalties conceded, the Waratahs also concede the eleventh. They're eleventh on conceding, so there's only a few teams worse than with nine point nine a game. The Lions are fourth. So not only do they get penalties, but they don't get penalised and vice versa for the Waratahs. Beyond that, the Lions don't really kick a goal. I think I think Young yeah. Jez had kicked two or three penalties in the entire season despite playing every minute before the quarter final, where they kicked a few more. It was outrageous how few they'd kicked. Very low. So if there's a Seven. lot of penalties... Yeah, and there's it. three or four for that week. I'm telling you, it was crazy low. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. Um, so the, the commentators were going through it in the game. Yeah. crazy. Anyway, so the Lions don't kick penalties, and they get a lot of penalties, and the Waratahs give up a lot of penalties. So to me, that just means one thing, and that means Betting they're kicking money. the touch, put some money on Malcolm Marks' first try scorer, because the Waratahs' mall defense isn't fantastic either. Yeah. I think that's a huge opportunity for the Lions. I agree. So that, that worries me as a Waratahs fan a lot. Um, On top of that, you know, yellow cards, not being pinged much. The Lions have one all season. The Waratahs have six, which puts them at about 10th best. So I'm very, very worried. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Fairly. (laughs) In other stats, you know, picks and drives, the, the Lions play super tight. They've got the third most picks and drives, whereas the Waratahs have the least. So, you know, in place to the fact that they play a very wide, open, expansive game. Uh, neither team really steals the lineouts and 14th and 15th, Waratahs and Lions respectively. And they're both very, very good on their own ball. Lions being the best and Tars fourth. Yep. Final stat for you, because I know this is just an absolute stat fest, but the uh, pilfers and force penalties we touched on lightly before, but Marks is absolutely country miles ahead of anyone else. He's had five pilfers for the season and 18 force penalties for a total of 23 turnovers. And Quagga Smith is second with nine pilfers and five force penalties for 14. And very, very frequently, that's on their own line. Like They don't seem yeah. to take risks for no reason, but whenever they're under pressure, they really turn the ball over. So the Tars, if they're going to get down the other end and score, I think they're going to have to score quick or they're going to have to be long-range tries because um, the, the Lions won't sit around and let them attack and attack them on the line. It's going to have to
1: be Naira Falau, Beal creating. From distance, that's right, yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, the best on the flip side is Will Miller, who didn't start the season, so he hasn't played every game, but he's played the vast majority now. He's had two pilfers and seven force penalties for a total of nine. Hooper being their second best, obviously not been in the game this week. Yep. So, look, forward-based, basically, I think, forwards and penalties, rucks, scrums, line-outs, and penalties is going to be all the Lions. Uh, I think that they showed a lot more attacking flair last week, and I think they will again this week. The Tars are going to have to score from long range, and their big stars in the back, as, as expected, are going to have to win the game for them.
1: Yeah, and they're going to have to start strong early. Can't try and claw their way back into it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that's massive this week. So Nels, last but not least, after the main course, where do we go? I think we go to What's God? What's God do with that dessert?
1: Oh, to see that transition.
0: Wow, faded all. Faded it out. We're getting good just when no one cares.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think I think we were gonna talk about who's probably going to be the most influential in each position uh, this week. And I'll I'll kick us off with the top prop. Yep. Um, So I think off a lot of things that I was looking into last week coming into this match, um, in terms of the teams that are left over, I thought Tomanga Allen and Robertson were both right up there in terms of, of the two sort of top best props there. But if we're going off what happened on the weekend as well, Tamanga Allen had a blinder and was the top prop with 49, uh, and Tom Robertson walked away with 15, the second worst. So yeah. I'm definitely
0: leading towards Tamanga Allen as a, as the top prop. And it doesn't bother you that he's playing the Crusaders pack this week? That's not something that... Not that really. I like. mean, as a prop that
1: works hard making tackles, where he, a lot of those points were tackled. He, he had a huge percentage of his points came from tackles, and I think he had no misses or something along those lines. So that doesn't upset me at all. I think that that's probably something good for him. He, he'll make his runs, but his runs aren't big, long-distance runs. They're short-distance runs where he's going five metres and going to ground. He's He's not bumping numerous people off. So if it's a, a team where there's a lot of runs going to be coming at him, I think that can only help him.
0: Yeah, I agree. And look, if you look across the board as well, I mean, the Lions props don't normally score well, neither do Mm -hmm. the Crusaders props really either. So then your only other choice is if you're not looking at the Hurricanes and you're definitely not looking at Toby Smith because he is awful. Yep. Uh, Then it has to be out of the Waratahs props. And I I agree with you. I think Kepa is probably the X-factor player that could have the big runaway try and and that kind of thing. But you've got to think that's lower risk. So it's hard to go against you. I think that's a good pick at Tamar Allen.
1: Yep. Thank you.
0: In hookers, well, you just you just had such a compelling argument. <laughs> uh, in hookers, I mean, this is an absolute give me gimme give, give me. He's a he's a, a gimme. Uh, yep. Malcolm Marx is clearly going to be the top one, so we won't spend any more time on that. The next question becomes: Who's just mokey? Who's the guy that's going to score more points than you would expect? So uh, I'll give us a crack here. You know your options are going to be probably Tyler Latu getting 40 minutes, so I'm probably going to stay away from him. He might yep. get 50 if he's lucky. Uh, You've got Cody Taylor, who's obviously the opportune kind of all-blacks hooker at the moment. And then you've got Ricky Riccatelli, who just seems to have work rate Beast. four days at the moment as well. To me, it's got to be Ricky Riccatelli. He scored, you know, his numbers from last week, yeah. 50-something?
1: He got 53, so 11 off the mark for Marks, but uh, Cody Taylor got 31 and Fitzpatrick got 27. So
0: Yeah, so for me, Ricky Riccatelli, he's got to be my pick. He, he's also, you know, right up there in averages for the season. I think I had him at fourth out of all the quarterfinal hookers as well, so he, he's, yeah. he's right up there. Second row now.
1: Look, second row, it's always hard to go past a, a talented bloke like Sam Whitelock in terms of, of what we're looking at here. Um, I think he's he's quite likely the man you'd be looking at. Um, the only person that's probably fighting, fighting alongside him is Fadi Alofa. They both did get 29 points on the weekend. I think Whitelock. Um, he had a huge average in comparison to Fadia Lofa with double the points. But in terms of the back end of the season, Fadia alofa really lifted. So, I mean, he's got to be my smoking Fadia Lofa. with 15 point average throughout the year compared to White Lock's 30. You mean you've got to lock in his, his White Lock with Fadia Lofa chasing him from behind?
0: Is that Teddy funny on 31 points?
1: In terms of his last round, so that was the last round of the season, his average was 23, Um, and how did he go this week? Um, He actually got, because I had him rolled over into the back rows, um, he got 18 points.
0: Okay, well, you know my my pick always had to be the guy playing at six, who who's Ted Flanagan. again. I think that it's going to be tough up against the Lions, especially with two good lineouts. Yeah. But I I could see him getting some good points if the Waratahs <laughs> are looking for some link play around the middle. Um, I mean, I
1: just don't think he really got involved that much on the weekend. No, he didn't really seem to step up or take any chance. Um, and, and to me, a lack of work rate in such a important game and an in, in, in influential second half he didn't really get himself involved mm. means to me he could go missing this week i,
0: I think the other one to me is, is you know i there's probably x factor in faddy alofa and lousey even more so but scott barrett i don't think you can underestimate as well so he's another yeah. guy that dominant team is always points wor- you know points worthy and then he's actually he, he's had- right up there some good form at the back half of the season since that international break as well.
1: Yeah, he's had 22.6 average throughout the year, but I've rated him a little bit higher than that because his form's been a bit bit better in the back end. Yeah. Um, and I think he walked away with, with 20 points. Yeah, 20 points last week. Yeah,
0: so he'd probably be my pick. Yep, that's good. Lucy's Nels? Nice. Or is it me? It's <laughs> you.
1: I mean, I can do it again if you want, or you can
0: go for it. No, that's right. Artie Sevilla's still going to be out this week, so that's an easy one. You had... Pablo Matera being knocked out as well. Um, I I think it's pretty hard to go past the All Blacks captain, to be completely honest with you. It's got to be, for me, it's between him and my smoky pick would be Will Miller. Yep. It's funny that I'm going to read my my solid pick when he's had one good game all year, mm-hmm. considering his minutes. But I just think, considering his twenty seventeen average, the caliber of player that he is, and the fact that we should be pretty confident he's going to get big minutes, realistically, I think that's him locked in. So and you're you're scrubbing your hands with ta- uh, Tafua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a chance. I'm. I'm sticking with uh, Will Miller for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, Nels, any objections?
1: No, I'm not objecting. I'm happy with that. Uh, in, in terms of halfbacks, look, halfbacks always a, a tricky one. Um, I don't think we can read too much into what happened within this last week in terms of tries. Um, it's not often you see three tries across a whole whole normal round, let alone in a quarter uh, Perinara really did step up and, and, and sort of directed that game really well. So if you're leaning on anyone, I suppose it would be him. Um, in terms of he's had not too bad form throughout the year, he's he's sitting only 0.1 behind Ross Cronier in terms of these final four in, in that sort of second position. I rated him probably as my, my second out of all of these, thinking that um, maybe Bryn Hall could have, have a solid game. Actually, no. No, I've, I've got him second again behind R- Ross Cronier. So, okay. look, I, I'd be Kiwi side... Him running the ball and, and wanting to
0: run the ball, I think I'd be leaning towards him. Yeah, I think TJ Perinara is your safe bet. I mean, who's, who's your Smoky? Out of Hall, Cronier, and Phipps and why?
1: It's a bit of a tricky one. I my Smoky to throw the worst ball is Phipps. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Smoky. Um, look, I'd be I'd be interested to see between Hall and Cronier. Cronier maybe being at home. Um, Against the top. I'll, I'll give you one if
0: you're struggling a little bit. Yeah. My smoky pick is Nick Phipps, despite the terrible performance yeah. you just put on. The reason is... Because I know Quagga Smith and Mostert make a lot of tackles, but they miss a lot of tackles as well. So as soon as you got, you know, Mostert obviously plays a little bit of a roving kind of loosey role as well, Uh as does Quagga. But if you've got those blokes sniping around the sides of Rucks missing a fair few tackles and having a high work rate, then I believe that gives an opportunity to Nick Phipps to pick his opportune moment and actually make a bit of an impact in this game.
1: Yeah, look, I I don't think that's bad. I, I don't think he really went for the sniping runs on the weekend whether that was part of his game plan or, or, or the team's sort of plan but I don't think he really seemed to to scoot from that uh back of the scrum or, or things like that too much mm. um so it just depends I suppose on, on what that that sort of plan is Ross has only played nine matches throughout the year but he's looked really good when he's been there so maybe he can lean on on either um but yeah I suppose we can agree to dif- disagree a little bit yep yep
0: fair enough uh, the Flyhawas, I think it's pretty open and shut. You're going Richie Moe. I'm going Richie Moe as the obvious one. I would be going Richie Moe Mo. for the
1: youngest. Although he didn't have an absolute blinder, he still did well this yeah, week. Yeah, he
0: had an average game and only got forty one or something this week. So forty four. Forty one, sorry, forty one. Forty one, yeah. So I'm, i mean anyone that's having a bad game and getting forty one points is is my boy. Yeah. Um, I'm I, I'm just I just can't see anyone else outscoring him, to be honest with you. But yeah. uh, you never know. I mean obviously there was a few blinders over the weekend Foley scoring a double and and uh, some other good performances around, but for me he's just gotta be the the go to. Yep. You got a smokey or you want me to give you a smoky?
1: Look, I mean, I don't know if it's a, me being a little bit biased, or if it's me actually thinking through my have what what the options are. But I think Foley's not a bad smokey because he is running the ball at the moment, and he's he's making all his kicks. Mm. He's he's solid off the boot. They will look to kick penalties in this match when they get the opportunity. Um, you won't see someone like Yanti's taking those chances. Yes, it's probably going to be a drier game, and he might want to run the ball a little bit more um, against a weaker, weaker sort of inside defensive team. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: Janche's defense is not rock solid. I think was yeah. probably the only <clears throat> consistent tackler in that back line.
1: Yeah, so I, I think it could go in either way between them, but I, I think I'd be leaning on my
0: Smokey to be Foley. Yeah, fair enough. You agree? Yeah, you 100%. I agree with you. I, I think that's bang on. I can't see it being... Anyway, I wouldn't put my money on Yanchis. He's not a, a consistent enough scorer. It doesn't have a consistent enough effect on the game. I think he's, he's bound to score some points this week based on the fact that I think the Lions got some points in them. But uh, in, t- in terms of really big impact and high fantasy scores, I don't see it being anyone else. So,
1: world's best 10. We're, we're not even talking about him. No. There you go. He's not the world's best fantasy 10. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of who we'd be looking at for the top uh, centre, that's what we're rolling on to, aren't we? Yeah. Top centre of the week. It, it, look, I mean, I was leaning to Goodhue, in my opinion, this week. He didn't seem to get as much involved in the game because I suppose he was getting halted a little bit, um, not getting the ball from Crotty, who just decided to take it on himself. Um, other people that are right up there, Lamarpe's right up there, but again, coming coming up against such a strong centre pairing, you, you wouldn't be surprised if that sort of, keeps him a little bit subdued and he doesn't get involved as much as he, he does throughout a lot of the season. Uh, other people that are centres are De Ante who, I don't know, can can be hit and miss. I was going to call him an outside back <clears> for the sake of this game. Yeah, but for I, the sake I'm of this gonna... game, outside back. So, look, I mean, I'd still wanting to be leaning to Goodhue. He he didn't really show it in this match, um, but I think that's, that's a pretty rare thing for him to, to not get involved as much in a game.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think he's a safe bet.
1: Yeah. Look, other people that have performed quite well, obviously not to the same extent that people like Beal, um, who he had a blinder this week and, and is expected to get another sort of blinder coming up. But yeah, good, would be definitely my, my solid uh, centre to be picking. In terms of who I'd be picking as a smoky. are you leaning towards anyone?
0: I think the guy that has the biggest impact on the game in general at the moment for his team is Beal. Yep. And considering the amount of opportunity there's going to be wide, <coughs> I think he's probably my Smokey. You know. yep. we'll, we've talked plenty now about the Lions outside defence, but Beal loves those those second-touch plays. And I, I think if he's running in those outside kind of channels, looking to pe- for people to link up with, I think that's probably the guy that I would put my money on. Yeah, and if we're talking
1: about as well, Folau looking to, to maybe hit those centre channels because they're not too strong. Um, the men inside and outside and probably will be a beneficiary, which will be the centres you'd be thinking if, he, if that's the channel. So yep. it, it could then come off for off an offload in, into Beal or, or Rona, and that could um, lift them up a little bit as well.
0: Yep, yep, for sure. Outside backs, I mean, your big dogs on campus right now are Big T, Tekeli Voro, and Israel Falau, closely followed by George Bridge and... Uh, Blam, Benny Lamb, I, th- I think is right up there with Curtis Rona as well. So, uh, uh, you know, if they're the g- gimmies, then I would say your most safe bet is probably Israel Falau. Yep. Just purely based on the fact that he loves to get involved in the game. I think he might struggle to get involved based on the fact that the Lions don't kick the ball so much. Yeah. So I think, you know, he's going to have to go looking for work, which sometimes he doesn't go and do. But he's probably my most likely big scorer. Got the X factor about him as well. and he, uh... He's a hungry player. Like
1: He really didn't get involved as much as he should have, I think, in this game. But when he did, especially in that second half, it was really telling and was really influential. Mm. Um, but it, it's going to be a game that he can't do that, and hopefully he's learnt from that mistake and, and tries to get involved a bit earlier.
0: If I had to pick one smoky... It uh, depends. If 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 Blaine was a smoky, I would go him, but I don't think he is a smoky. So I'm going to go Ruan Crombrink as my uh, my smoky. He's been in excellent, excellent form. Scored well again on the weekend, and he's up against Big T in his matchup as well.
1: Oh, to be fair, he only got twenty six. He's in the the lower half of I suppose our outside backs. Okay. He he's been I suppose off and on. I think in in my opinion. He's been a little bit more solid in, in that sort of last few games leading into it. I still rate him at twenty five, twenty six points, which is is what I ranked him before this game, and, and he walked away with twenty six points. Yeah. So, but he he's a bloke that has that flair, um, and and it's going to be probably a drier track, and and they'll be
0: looking to hit the blokes like him. So, I agree. Yeah, I think if the Lions can get a roll on, that'd be that'd be where his value comes in. Yeah. All right, so finish it off, Nelson. Give us your pick for the Crusaders versus the Hurricanes, and by how many?
1: The Crusaders are going to win. The competition? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, The Crusaders are going to win. I don't think the Hurricanes will be too far from the pace until quite late in the game and maybe another score will separate them so I'll probably say a little bit more than a try maybe it'll be 10 points something like that it'll be close with with 5 to 10 left and and the Crusaders will, will put it out of reach
0: Yep, they seem to blow games out about that sixty-minute mark. I'm I'm thinking maybe a little more. I was thinking kind of ten to fifteen points. Hurricanes haven't been in the best form, yeah. and I just think that the Crusaders this time of year are just pretty untouchable. So I would say let's say we, twelve points.
1: Weak canes versus a strong Crusaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly right
0: game for the week is obviously the Lions versus the Waratahs. I'd love to say the Waratahs, but to be honest with you, I've kind of convinced myself that that's not going to happen from our stat attack there. There's opportunity for sure.
1: Yeah, look, I, I went into last week confident that we could do it. I, mm. I do feel less confident this week that we can do it. Um, but, I, I mean... It shows the Jags started slow, the Tars started slow. If the Tars can get off to what used to be, I suppose, in the last couple of years, a, a pretty strong trademark start, mm. um, I think they could be in it. And it will be that first 10, 10 to 20 minutes that will be what, the thing that probably dictates this match. So I, I think you're right. I'd be leaning towards the Lions. Yeah. Um, but that's that's where it would be for me. If the Tars can, can come out strong in that first 20, I, I could see them winning, but not by much.
0: What's your margin? If... If what, if the, if the Tars come out and win that first 20? No, if for the game. Give me a margin. Don't say if this and that happens. Look,
1: I think it'll be close either way. So I'd say Lions by one score. So somewhere between three three to seven. Okay.
0: I uh, Again, I'm a little bit more pessimistic as a Tars fan. I think that the Lions are too good at home and they're probably playing their best footy of the year right now. Yep. So I'm going to pick them by a similar kind of margin, 12 to 14 points. Okay. Well, that about wraps us up for the quarterfinal, the semi-final edition, I should say. We've yep. got another game, another pod coming next week, looking at the semis and predicting the Crusaders to win, as we have already said. Yep,
1: hopefully we're wrong.
0: Maybe yep. there's a Waratahs grand final instead if all goes well. Unlikely, but would be lovely. <laughs> all right, thanks very much for living, uh, listening rather, and living and it's living. We really appreciate that. And uh, to our fan out there, it's been a great season. Can't wait to see you next week. Give a deep and keep it out!